This is Brandon M. Crooker, and you're listening to the Apostolic Theory Podcast. We have a very special guest with us today, Sister Tammy Bowski. Um, connected with her on Twitter through Apostolic Review. Very excited about what we've got going on today. Um, it's a it's a needful message and a timely message, and and I'm again very excited. So, uh, Sister, will you just tell our listeners who you are, a little bit about yourself, where you attend church, and uh, and we'll go from there. All right, great. Thanks for having me on, Brother. Appreciate this, and um, apostolic theory has been a wonderful blessing. It's exciting to see all of the apostolic content that is out there, um, and and you're such a big part of that. And we're grateful for that. Um, my name is Tammy, uh, married to Bob. We're coming up on 35 years this June, and we have three children. Um, essentially, grown up as grown up as kids do get. Uh, my son and his wife have two daughters. They live a couple hours from us, and our uh, twenty our twin daughters are going to be twenty four in just a couple weeks, and they're still living at home. And um, oddly enough, we're we thought we had cleared it, but all three of our kids are right back in college again, expanding their degrees in education. So uh, we're playing that game right now. We are very blessed to attend First Apostolic Church in Stager, Illinois, under the direction of Pastor Jason Cox. And we've been there for several years and just um, couldn't be happier with what God is doing there. And, and we are so blessed just to be part of that family there. Amen. Praise God. And uh, in case you don't know, she's very active on Twitter. And uh, you, should, you should find her and follow her. She's got some great content. She retweets great content and has connected me with several um, other apostolic authors that I didn't even know existed. Um, you know, content I had no idea was out there. So you should really follow her and, and get connected. Do you have a Facebook too? I do have a Facebook. So, so, fo- um, I kind of get that a little bit more family and friends kind of deal. Um, but, but Twitter is a nice place to indulge and, and, and meet up with people like you. <laughs> Absolutely. So find her on Twitter. Um, so why don't we just go right ahead? And I'm just, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna let the horse loose, and we're just, we're just gonna see where the Lord leads. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, uh, this conversation I believe sprung from uh, something I had shared on Twitter, uh, where I had seen a news story, um, and it was a horrendous, horrific story. Um, a man had um, sexually assaulted a young child, and um, as if that wasn't bad enough, had. Uh, recorded it and released it online and normally my response would be good they got him I hope he suffers a horrible end in jail Um, but the Lord wouldn't let me feel that way and I began to feel his self-loathing and I could feel how um, he just despised himself as though he couldn't help it whatever demon spirit had gotten a hold of him um, he, he was miserable And so I began to pray, Lord, you know, let him be saved. Let him come to repentance. Let him be baptized in your name. And let him be filled with the Holy Ghost. Let him turn his life around. Let his life be a testimony. And um, just just crying out for this man that I would Mm. normally in myself have no compassion for. I would have no burden for. Um, But yet, you know, our loving Father, who loves us so much, Mm. um, 
loves him too. Amen. And the ones that we don't think deserve it, he loves them too, just like he loved us. And so as I began to pray and intercede that God would, would send somebody into this man's life to, to get him free from this um, spirit that has got hold of him and to bring him into salvation. I'm, I'm not saying he shouldn't be punished legally for what he's done against society. Absolutely. Um, that doesn't absolve him of those wrongs, but that his account before God might be clean is a heart we need to have. And uh, I began to think about the church of Ephesus. And frequently we misquote, misquote it, and I do at times too, and we say he lost their, they lost their first love. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says they left their first love. They flat out abandoned it. They neglected it. They let it go. They left it behind and moved out it. And then first love, thing which should be primary, that love which should be foremost, they abandoned that to pursue out of everything else. And Ephesus was the only church in Revelation that the Lord threatened to remove the candlestick. Laodicea with all of its issues and problems. God never threatened to remove them. But Ephesus, because they had left that first love, mm. he threatened to remove So we know that the Lord does love things seriously. That love isn't, it can't just be what we're comfortable with. It can't just be um, this feeling that we get. But it's got to be this active, fervent choice where we're mortifying our flesh and saying, even against my own nature, even against my own principles, even against what I like or what I think, I need to love. We need to have the supernatural love of the Spirit. We can read about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. And, you know, when I was growing up, I used to think, oh, you know, I've got some love and i got some peace. I probably need some more joy. But, oh, I really need long-suffering. As though in my flesh I could put any of those things into being. But we can't, can we? It, it's got to be a supernatural thing. It, it's not enough just to have our fleshly love. And it's not just enough to have this fleshly peace and fleshly long-suffering and temperance. But we need to have that which is born only of the Holy Ghost. That which mm. exceeds what we could ever hope to do in ourselves. We need to have a supernatural experience when it comes to that fruit of the Spirit. And that love is such a huge part of it. We've got to have it. We've got to have it. We can't, we can't think that we can manufacture enough of it on our own. Because in ourselves, we can all love those lovable people. And that's what Jesus said. You know, you can love those who love you. You can do good to those who do good to you. But can we love those who hate us? Can we do good to those who would despitefully use us? And that's what that supernatural love does. Um, it was just overwhelming. It was overwhelming to come face to face with that. Um, just how we need the supernatural Christ emulating love just to radiate out of us. It's it's nothing that we could ever hope to do in ourselves, but it's got to be Holy Ghost birthed. Amen. The um, the Bible, if if you go down and you translate in the original language, when it talks about a lot of the times when it speaks of love. Um, it, it's agape love, so which is supernatural love. It's the love of God. It's a love that can only come 
when we are working through the Holy Ghost, through the Spirit, and allowing God to love not only us individually, but loving us and through us to the world around us. I mean, you want to talk about loving like Jesus loved. He's sitting there. Judas betrayed him, knowing that he was going to a cross to die. A, a disciple who he called, who he loved, who walked with him, he fellowshiped with him, broke bread with him. And he embraced him and still called him friend. And as he's on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them. Knowing that these people are going to murder him. Yes. He still asked or gave them forgiveness. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't... I've got several little girls, yeah. you know, and, 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 and I think about like, what would happen? How would I feel internally if something like that had happened to my daughters or God forbid, yeah. even my son? Yeah. And so when we think about these types of things and, and, and we, we, we put it into perspective, the apostle Paul when he was Saul, yeah. he, he, he was responsible for the death of men, women, children. They were imprisoned. They were decapitated. They, they were, yeah. he was the, probably the greatest uh, yeah. persecutor of the church. Yeah. And yet, and yet God saw fit to speak into his life at a needful moment, at a pivotal position and point in his life where he, he was going to go and he was going to bring these people that were on the run back so they could be, be murdered, put on trial and killed for blasphemy. And God, he just, he, and, and, and I like this because it was, it wasn't just a voice from heaven. It was it was the light. And it was the light, that same light at that was at the beginning. The same light that John talked about. The light that is the light of men. He said, I'm wasn't I'm John John wasn't that light, but he came to bear witness of the light. But that was the same light that blinded Saul and then spoke to him. Saul loved God. Yeah. He loved God and he 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 thought he was doing the right thing. Yeah. And whether we know if we're doing the right thing or the wrong thing, whether our conscience has been seared or whether it hasn't. See, that's the incredible yeah. transcendent love of God. Yeah. Yeah, the the whole the whole thing with Paul is is just an incredible amazing story. And it sort of demonstrates another another facet that we face because a lot of times we want people to repent, but we don't necessarily want them to receive forgiveness. Wow. We don't want them. We don't want them to keep sinning, but we don't want God to let them off the hook. Wow. And, and in Acts, there's this hilarious story. You know, the Scripture has a way of just having these super funny bits in there that you miss if you if you 
if you're if you're not careful. But, but in Acts 19, uh, verse 13, Ananias, Lord, Lord says Ananias would minister to Saul, and Ananias says, Lord, I've heard many things about this man and all the evil that he's done to the saints in Jerusalem. And then the Lord speaks to Ananias in verse 16 and says, Well, I'm going to show him all the great things that he's going to suffer for my name's sake. And then in 17, it says, so then Ananias went his way and entered his house. Like, okay, Lord, as long as you're going to make him pay for all he's done, I'm, I'm up for it. And then he was ready to repent and, you know, let him let him get find, find forgiveness. Yeah. So this isn't unique to us. We do have this innate need that I believe God has given us. Well, we do want to see justice. And, and you have to have that in a lawful society. But it wrestles against the grace of God. And whether they're big, horrible, ugly, disgusting sins that we're just mortified and, you know, repulsed by, or whether those are little innocent, sweet little sins, you know, like the ones we commit, you know, the ones that we want to let ourselves off for, you know, it's always just wrestling against for the grace of God. So we need to realize that, yeah, there will be consequences in this natural life. And, and you do some of these heinous crimes. Of course, there should be justice. But when it comes to the kingdom of God, we have to be willing not only for that person to find repentance, but for them to also receive that forgiveness. And we can't be so so eager to see them suffer and pay for all that they've done, because we've all we've all been worthy. We were the ones that put Jesus on the cross, not just the Hitlers and not just the Mussolinis and not just the Genghis Khan people, but you and me, all of us pretty people that, you know, we didn't do anything too bad, did we? And we, we grade these sins in a way that the Bible never teaches us to grade sins. Um, but none should perish. That was his will. That none should perish. That all should come to repentance. So if we don't love like he loves, how are some of these ever going to come to repentance? How are they mm. ever going to find this life in Jesus Christ? If we don't have some kind of supernatural love that transcends our ability just to judge and to look and to, to, to be, you know, so horrified by the things they've done. We're all born with this God-sized hole in our life. And, and we all try to fill it until we come to Jesus Christ. So we fill it with relationships and material things and experiences and, and religious experiences and spiritual quests. And we look for those missing pieces in all of those areas. And then we start the self-medicating and all the sinful behaviors. And we end up with pain and brokenness and abandonment and depression and bitterness and, and all of that. And that God-sized hole gets bigger and bigger. And the pain goes deeper. And the hurt gets more intense. And it doesn't need to be like that. It shouldn't be like that. There must be a people. There must be a people that will take the love of Jesus Christ to them. This gospel will be preached in all the world. And the only way that we are going to get this gospel into all the world is if we are willing to love all the world. This gospel, not another gospel, not a gospel that was, you know, invented 300 years later, not a gospel that was changed, not a gospel that was altered, not a gospel that was come up with with humanistic approach, but the gospel that was preached and lived by Jesus Christ, shared by his disciples, passed down through the centuries. It's this gospel that goes forth. It's that gospel that saves. And the only way that can happen is if we love 
Otherwise, we'll always just be sharing the gospel with people that look like us and act like us and think like us and vote like us and dress like us and, and do the things that we do. But there has got to be that supernatural, amazing love of God that takes over and just flows out from us like a mighty river. Romans chapter 5 and verse 5 and says, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. And the biggest thing about our heart is that whatever we absorb, whatever, whatever we deeply care about, flows through us and out us. The Bible says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. If you really mean what you say, are your actions reflecting that? Right. I can, I mean, I'm going to get real transparent. Real transparent. A lot of the hurts that I had over the years happened in, in, in the church. It's unfortunate. It's not fair. And if anybody that is hearing me today has been hurt by somebody in the church, I feel it. I understand your pain because I've been there. And I saw it and I saw it and I saw it for the will of God for my life. And I felt like I was being pushed out the doors. I was being condemned to hell because I did something wrong. And it was almost as if they believed that there really just was not any restoration. And that's not biblical, that's not scriptural. Because nobody is beyond the mercy and the grace of God. The Bible says that where sin doth abound, grace doth so much more abound. Yes. And so, if you've had a, a, a hurt in the church, don't take what has happened through people, misguided people, uh, carnal people, uh, misunderstanding, misunderstood people. People will look at situations that you're going through and they'll misdiagnose it. But it, that doesn't make what they said the reality. The reality is, is that God loves you. He sees you. He cares about you. The Bible says you're wonderfully and fearfully made. He said he has the hairs of your head numbered. He knows the Bibles, the Word of God is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Well, the Word of God is, i.e., Jesus, because in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. So he understands your thoughts, he understands your intentions. Jacob. Jacob was a, 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 a supplanter, he was a deceiver. I mean, he did some pretty twisted things. But what happened? Where he was, or what he was going through, or who his mother had named him and gave him, you know, this, this sort of what he was going to be before he was ever, before he was ever to be. And she named him. Oh, Jacob, which means supplanter. And yeah. so he he was a struggler. 
And he struggled and struggled and struggled. And I've been there. I have struggled and I have struggled and I have struggled. But see, the key is, if you just keep struggling just a little bit longer, God will put the right people, the right place, the right church, the right family, everything will, will, will form together so that way you can fulfill the purpose that God has for your life. And that is truly the love of God. Yeah. yeah absolutely. And, uh, you know, what you went through, it shouldn't have happened. And, and I'm sorry that you went through that. I've been through that. You know, so many of others have been through that. But the truth of that is that it didn't catch God by surprise. Right. And he looked into your life and he said, it might almost break you, but this is what you need to grow into that next step or to be more compassionate or to walk in an area you've never walked. And when you get to that point, when you begin to see that, then you can look back at those and say, wow, that guy was such a jerk. And Lord, I'm so thank you for thankful you sent him into my life because he did for me what I couldn't do for myself. I couldn't crucify myself. I, I can get one, one nail in one hand or maybe a nail through a foot, but man, I can't get both hands in. I, I need you know, people like that, to do that final deed, to crucify me when I can't, and just to to realize the love of God. You know, you were talking about Judas. You know, he, Peter gets a revelation of who he is, and five verses later, Jesus calls him Satan. Right, yeah. Jesus betrays him in the garden, and he calls him friend. Like, help me understand. But it's that love of God, putting people in our lives that we wouldn't otherwise choose because he loves us so much. He wants us to understand. He wants us to be able to, to break open those, those hard spots, to break up that fellow ground, to put that seed of love and mercy in there. Because boy, are we, are we second guessing every time, you know, we want to be harsh with someone. Oh, cause we know that pain. We know it can come of that. So you exercise mercy, you share some encouragement, you share that, that story that, that left a lot of scars in your life. But it's that love of God that just flows. If we're all bottled up, if we're so perfect and intact, we just become a bottle. But when there's these breaks and there's these cracks, we become that conduit. And instead of staying contained within us, he flows through us. And it, it may have been painful, but he will heal us. And for those that are the, those that are out there that are hurting, there is a, a point. God is not sadistic and mean and cruel and just wanting to see you twist and, and suffer. But he has got a purpose for this. Their bad actions did not catch him off guard. But he has, he has made a way to bring you through that. And he will use it to grow you. And you will look back and you'll say, I didn't like going through it. I wouldn't want to go through it again. But I'm so thankful that he loved me, that he trusted me enough to put me in that situation because I'm a better person now than I would have been. I've experienced the love of God. I've experienced the mercy of God. And you can turn around and say, thank you, Lord, for sending that, that person into my life. Wow. That's tremendous. That is, see, and, 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 and I, I, quite frankly, I don't think it's being talked about enough. But no. so when you go through it, and you thank God for the situation, and it molds you, and it shapes you, and it helps you become the person that God wants you to be. And and God yeah. will restore you, 
But the question is, is can you restore all those people that hurt you? It's, it's a deal. It's a real deal. My, uh, my dad was a minister and uh, never pastored. Uh, I'll sit and help out and shout out and stuff like that. Uh, um, when I was 10 years old, my parents and both of them left church. And uh, we had just a wave of divorce. A, a wave of the spirit of divorce went through our church. It was an, a solid, good established church been there for many decades um strong families and you know the churches they've been there forever and just entire families are pillars and divorce swept in and within within like less than a five-year time we had like eight different families key families fall apart and in divorce um it was unbelievable and anytime there's divorce there tends to be a lot of people taking one side or the other and my dad had was caught in the middle of that and he was so angry how could they take you know the other side why why isn't anybody loving me why isn't anybody caring about me how can they believe all of that and he spent five years out of church angry and hurt and bitter mad at everybody and then he finally realized the only one he was cheating with was himself (laughs) And it took him another five years to forgive himself. <laughs> uh, and then he finally prayed back through uh, about 10 years after he had left church and, uh, you know, lived for God the rest of his life. Um, but it robbed a great deal from him because he got all wrapped up in that, couldn't forgive them, couldn't forgive himself for not forgiving them. Um, and times when he might have been productive for the kingdom. So, you know, to not love damages us more than we'll ever damage the people that we're upset with. It's it's so much like forgiveness. <laughs> you, you can be bitter all day long and the person who did it to you doesn't bother them a bit. Even if they care, they'd just be happy that they're miserable. <laughs> but oh, if we learn to love, oh, if we learn to love like Jesus loved, we learn to look at that other person and say, you know, Lord, whatever you do, don't, don't, don't count what they've done to me against them. Take it off their record. I, if you call me to testify, I, I'm not going to testify. I won't say one word, not at the trial of their life. No, take, take it away. Cause I just want them to be saved. I just Amen. want them to be saved. Amen. And the gospel, it hinges on love. It hinges on love, and love requires expression. And God said, for God so loved the world. So he loved the world, and love requires expression. So what happened because he loved the world? He gave his only begotten son, i.e. himself in the flesh. Yeah. So that way they could be saved. Yeah. It just, it's it's horrible. So powerful. The, the Pharisees came to Jesus and they asked him, you know, I, I puzzled over this for a while because the Pharisees came to Jesus and they asked him what was the greatest commandment to test him. And I still can't figure out what was so testing about this. This seems pretty obvious. You know, love the Lord that God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. Um, this is the first and great commandment. 
And he said, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. That was it. Love God, love others. If we love God, we'll keep his commandments. If we love others, well, we're going to go evangelize our world. We're going to encourage our hurting brothers and sisters. We're going to mm. unify together. If we love God and each other, we'll strive to live holy. So we'll please God. So we're not putting stumbling blocks in front of our brother. You know, our pastor doesn't need to get up every week and say, you know, you shouldn't dress like this. You shouldn't act like that. You should talk like this. You should do this. You shouldn't do that. You just love people. You're going to act right. Amen. doing that deed 
we're loving like Jesus. Yeah. When we're crying for the victims of these horrible crimes. Jesus. And we're also pleading for God to intercede for the souls of those that are committing that. That's Jesus. When we're praying for a president we like, and just in praying just as hard for the ones we don't like, that's the love of Jesus. It, it scares me sometimes. I see politics taking hold of people, and they get so divided on stuff. And they forget, yeah, criticize the policies. I, I get that, you know, but not the person. You can't make it a personal thing. You have got to love that person, no matter how much you disagree with them, no matter how much they seem to be at cross purposes to you, because God has put them in power. God has allowed everyone to come in. And we know that this gospel shall be preached in all the world. All the world. Yes, is it India? Is it Asia? Is it Hong Kong? Is it Africa? Is it South America? Yes, but you know what? It's on my block. It's in my city. It's in the capital of my state. It's in Washington, D.C. It's in Canada. It's right next door to us that this gospel will be preached. And if we don't love, if we aren't flowing in the Holy Ghost, we will never be able mm. to reach this world with this gospel and see the result that he wants to see. Amen. Oh, well, Sister Tammy, this is this is tremendous. This is thank you so much for your time and for your preparation and for your prayer. This is I'm I'm so excited for what this episode is going to accomplish for the kingdom of God. And uh, the key is that we love like Jesus loves. Before we part ways, is there anything, aside from all of this tremendous material, this great content that we've already produced this far, one thing, if the listener has made it this far in the episode, that you would like them to walk away with? That wherever you are in your walk with God, He can use you. He can use you to love. He can use you to reach. Don't feel like if you don't have it all together... You're not the one to do it. Oh, no, friend. Oh, no, friend. Let him use you. Just get used to surrendering. You might never preach a general conference. You might never build a church. You might never be a missionary. You might not do a lot of things that you think make you the measure of, of a Christian. But do what you can with what he's given you. And if you will love the way he wants to love through you, you will be great. You will do great and mighty things in the kingdom of God. You are qualified for this. You are mm. equipped for this. You are able to do this. That fruit of the spirit is flowing and moving and working. It has nothing to do with your ability, but it's just whether or not you're going to yield and make yourself available to him. You can do this, friend. Amen. This podcast is made possible because of listeners like you who are willing to bridge the gap. We now have a sponsorship program on our Anchor website in which you can become a monthly sponsor of $1, $5, or $10 a month. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook.